Hey, thank you for listening to the Reclaim Media Weekly Podcast. To stay up to date with all of our blogs, our podcasts, and our YouTube videos, you can subscribe on our website, reclaim.media. Now enjoy this message. Today I want to talk to you about five things you need to stop doing in your leadership right now. If you're in any kind of leadership, whether it's in ministry, maybe you're a lead pastor, maybe you're a youth pastor, maybe you're running a Bible study, maybe you're leading at your job or leading any kind of group, any specific group, and you're leading, there's five things that I think we need to stop doing as leaders. Now listen, I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect leader. I have a lot of growing and a lot of learning that I still need to do. And even the five things that I'm going to mention to you, these are, these are things I still have to learn to get rid of in my leadership. But these are some things that I think if we, if we really thought about it, we'd understand and realize, man, these things are, are affecting the way that I lead. And if we want to lead people the best that we can, then we've got to do our very best to make sure we don't have any poisonous things in our leadership. So these are five things that I think if we would stop doing, we would see our leadership grow, we would see our teams grow stronger, and we'd accomplish the mission that that has been placed in our hearts as leaders. So number one, I think what we all need to do is we need to stop comparing. We need to cut out the comparison, stop thinking about what other people are doing and trying to be better than somebody else or some other ministry. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 4, it says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. When my family and I first moved here to to the Austin, Texas area to launch our church, it just so happened that we were actually launching the same day as another church. Now, this other church was a church plant. It was starting around the same time as us, but they were launching much larger and much bigger than the way we were launching our church. Our church launched pretty small, and we're still growing even today, and God's doing an amazing work. But I remember watching the other church, seeing the stuff online, things they'd post, and I would begin to compare what we were doing to what they were doing. And not only was it wrong of me to do that, but it was discouraging me. Because then I begin to think, man, if we're not like them, then we're not as successful. If I'm not like that pastor or like that leader, then I'm not doing, I'm not doing anything good. Why would anybody want to come to our thing if they have their thing that's much better than ours? That's the way that I thought. And the truth is that was very unhealthy. It was out of my insecurity that I began to compare. But the problem with comparison is when we're looking at somebody else and what they're doing, we lose the significance of our assignment that that God has given to us. And so I took this this attitude to prayer, and I began to ask the Lord to help me with this. And He began to teach me that I should not compare myself to somebody else. Now, again, that's very simple, and that's something that's very almost elementary. Yeah, we cannot compare, but yet we still do it. We still compare ourselves to somebody else. But see, comparison will minimize the blessing of your season. Comparison will minimize the good things that God is doing in your ministry, in your church, in your life. And if we're only looking at what anybody else is doing, then we lose focus of our own assignment. And I'll tell you, when, when I begin to pray about it, God begins to encourage me not comparing. Now I, I don't compare myself to anybody else, but I celebrate what God is doing through somebody else, and I stay focused on my assignment as a lead pastor, as a leader of people, so that we can fulfill what God has placed on our hearts in our season at our church. So number one, stop comparing. 
Number two, stop leading on empty. Most of us just keep going and going and going and we never feel our spirit. We never feel our soul. We just we just try to lead on empty. And we're like, I gotta keep going. I gotta keep moving and I, I get it. That's a leadership attitude. I just wanna keep moving. You know, we wanna just keep going forward no matter how we feel. I understand that perspective and I understand that concept, but we as leaders cannot lead on empty because if I'm trying to lead others and I'm empty myself, what can I give to those who are following me? In John 15, 5, it says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Now the reason I'm bringing this scripture up is because I'm talking to church leaders right now. I'm talking to pastors. I'm talking to ministry leaders. Our fullness as leaders comes from Christ. Jesus says, apart from Him, we can't accomplish anything. And what we try to do sometimes is we try to operate our leadership out of our own flesh, our own wisdom, our own strategies. But really what we should be operating in is a full spirit. And the only way that we can be fulfilled in our spirit is if we're connected to the source of that fulfillment, who is Christ. So apart from Christ, we can't do anything. But if we're trying to lean on empty, what begins to happen is we become inefficient in our purpose. We begin, we begin to waste the resource. We begin to waste our time because what emptiness does is emptiness leads to burnout. If we're constantly trying to move on empty, eventually you're going to get burnt out. And what happens after we're burnt out, so emptiness leads to burnout, and burnout leads to quitting. If we never want to quit, if you're saying, man, I want to do this to the end, I want to accomplish, I want to fulfill it, I want, I want, to, I want to finish this work that God has given me, then guess what? You cannot do it on empty because if you go on empty, it leads to burnout, and burnout leads to quitting. So if we want to be filled, we must, we must invest in ourselves. And the way that we invest in ourselves is by spending time with the Lord, spending time in prayer, spending time in the Word of God, reading books, listening to podcasts, all that, all those things are good things and it's filling our soul, our mind with, with godliness so that we can lead as a filled leader, not as an empty leader. Our, our fullness comes from Christ. So number one, stop comparing. Number two, stop leading on empty. Number three, stop being prideful. Now again, this is something we all struggle with. We all struggle with pride. But as leaders, we cannot be prideful in our approach to leadership. Proverbs 16 verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. What pride does is pride gives us the I know it all attitude. We never reach out for guidance. We never reach out for help, not because we don't need it, but because we think we got it all together. We think we know how to handle the situation, that we don't need to reach out to wisdom. We don't need to reach out for guidance from somebody else who's done it before and is doing it now. Pride in leadership is so unhealthy, and we need to stop being prideful. Stop thinking that you know it all. Stop thinking that you have it all together. Stop thinking that you can't learn from somebody else. What pride does is it blinds us from our own self-destruction 
And if we can't see our own self-destruction, it leads to destruction in our organization. If we don't see that we have an issue as a leader it, because of our pride, because pride will say, I'm good, I've got no problems, I'm, 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 I'm a perfect leader. If that's the way that you think you are, then you need to put down the pride. You need to stop being prideful and reach out for some help because pride will blind us from our own issues. And when we're blind from our own issues, it leads to destruction of the organization that we're leading. I'll give you an example. If some, if a leader thinks that if I, if all I got to do is demand somebody to work and demand uh, my my people do what I'm what I'm telling them to do, I'll tell you that's an unhealthy way to lead. But some of us are so prideful that we'll never think that way, and we'll never ask anybody, hey, what do you think about my approach to leadership? And we'll never allow anybody to speak into our lives to help us to change that. So what that does is if we're an unhealthy leader, then we'll, we'll create unhealthy followers. Also, we will push away good people that could help our organization or our ministry because they'll think, man, that's I don't want to follow a leader like that who's full of pride. So we need to stop being prideful. Uh, lastly, with, about pride, what pride does is it creates competition. Not necessarily comparison, but competition. I'm trying to be better than the next ministry. I want to be bigger than the next ministry. I want to be, I want to have more money than the next ministry. This is all leading from pride. And if we want to be good godly leaders, we need to stop being prideful. So number one, stop comparing. Number two, stop leading on empty. And number three, stop being prideful. Here we go into number four. Stop being impatient. Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now I get it. We're all driven leaders, and, and those that are leading different ministries and different organizations, we always want to consistently move forward, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we, we have to be careful with being impatient with the season that God has placed us in right now. I remember before we got launched out to, to start our church here in, in, uh, in, Austin, in the Austin area, I went up to my pastor about three years before then, and I said, hey, I'm ready to go start a church right now. I want to get launched out right now. I'm ready to go. We had a conference every year, and at that conference, they would launch churches out. And I told them, hey, I'm ready to go right now. Can you please send me? I want to go. Me and my wife, we were ready to go. And I remember he told me, he's like, well, now is not the time. You really have to wait. There's some things that you need to develop as a person, as a leader, as a man, as a husband, before you can get into the place where you're ready to go start a church. Now, if I didn't have a good pastor who, who was able to guide me in that moment, I may have made a, a really bad decision for my life because I wasn't patient with the season that I was in. See, sometimes we rush into seasons we're just not ready for. Now, this all kind of comes down to the comparison and the competition and the pride. Pride, comparison, competition will push us to be impatient, impatient with the season that we're in. We see what everybody else has, and we want to move right into that. But just be patient with where God has you. Stop being impatient in your season. It's okay that you don't have what everybody else has, but be grateful with what you have right now. Steward what you have right now. Cultivate what God has given you right now. Not always trying to jump ahead and move ahead, but be patient with where God is moving you. Because what happens is if we operate out of an impatient attitude or as an impatient leader, what we do is we skip necessary steps 
We push our, our ministries and our organizations into places we're just not ready for. In those next steps that we have to take before we get to season five, right? We want to skip season two, three, and four to jump to that next season. But in two, three, and four, we're building a foundation. We're building leaders. We're building organizations. We're building, we're building that ministry up so that we're ready to be at season five. But you can't skip three, four, three and four. You have to go through those seasons. Don't be impatient with what, where God has you. It's okay, again, that you don't have what everybody else has. There's no comparison. There's no competition. We're all on the same team. We want to see souls one for the kingdom of God. But we have to be patient with our season. Don't jump to a place you're not ready for yet. It's okay to take your time. Now on the opposite of that, number five, stop being complacent. Now there's impatience where we're moving ahead when we shouldn't, but then there's complacency when we're staying put when we should be moving ahead. In the book of Matthew chapter 25, verse 26 to 30, it says, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I, have, I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So Jesus has given us a very clear picture of what kind of servant he's looking for. He's not looking for somebody who's going to take what they've been given and sit on it or bury it. He's looking for someone who's going to take initiative to not be complacent with the gift that they have been given. Again, impatience is moving too far ahead when you shouldn't, when you shouldn't, when you, when you have to wait. But complacency is just sitting in one spot, even though you need to move ahead. Most of us can get stuck in a complacent place as a leader. We get, you know, God has given, done some good things. Our church has grown a little bit. Our ministry has grown a little bit. It's, it's looking pretty good, and we're okay with it just being pretty good. But what if God wants it to be great? What if God wants to continue to grow your ministry, continue to grow that organization? What if it's a house church now, but God wants to turn it to multiple house churches? We'll never know that if we're complacent with what God has already done. I want to move forward. I want to keep moving. It's okay to make mistakes. Most of us will be complacent because we feel like we've done a good job to get to where we are now, but we're too afraid to make a mistake to get to the next season. So it's like, I'm just going to stay right here. I'm complacent with where I am. But I'd rather make a mistake moving forward than make a mistake sitting down and doing nothing. Complacency will get us to stop. It'll get us to become stagnant as leaders and as ministries and as organizations. We become stagnant with where we are. So how do we, how do we avoid complacency? We avoid complacency by setting goals and making plans. By, by being, having big vision to where, where we could be in the future one day. I remember when we were doing a young adult ministry. It was just about maybe five years ago or so. Maybe a little bit more than that now. But I remember we were running a certain number of people. And God put it on my heart to go to a bigger place with more chairs. And I remember thinking... This we don't really need all that. We you know we we don't we have enough chairs where we are right now. We don't really need to go there because we fit where we are. And I remember God speaking to me, and I and I and I this was out of a conversation with somebody else that they were saying you don't plan for your ministry as it is right now. You plan for the way you want it to be, how you want it to be in the future. And with that word that I heard from that that gentleman that I was speaking with, and and what I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me about growth and not being complacent with where we were, 
I felt like, okay, I'm going to put ourselves in a place not where we need, but where I believe one day that we will need to be. And I remember we moved into this building that, that held probably double the size of where we were. And God began to grow that ministry. The, the fruit of that, that decision was amazing. We began to see people get saved, people get connected. And the same thing was really happening in our church today. I remember I was um, talking to somebody about, you know, eventually hiring some positions at the church. Now, we're not there yet as a church. We're not ready to hire on staff. But what I began to feel the Holy Spirit tell me to do is he began to say, write down the staff that you want. Write down the list of tasks that they would do because one day you'll get there. Now, again, we may not be there now, but I'm not going to be complacent. And the way we avoid that complacency is we set goals and we make plans. We say that I believe one day we're going to be in this place. One day we're going to be running 100, 200, 300, 1,000. So I'm going to plan for that one day. So what are five things we need to stop doing right now as leaders? Number one, we need to stop comparing. Number two, we need to stop leading on empty. Number three, stop being prideful. Number four, stop being impatient. And number five, stop being complacent. So I asked some questions on Instagram. I posted something and I asked people to send some questions about leadership. And I asked also to send some good advice, some good leadership advice. So I took some of those questions and I want to answer them right here on the video. So the first question I got was, was how are leaders chosen for specific roles? So the way I look at choosing leaders in, in, to place in specific roles or anybody really that comes into our church or our ministry or the organization that we run is one, we want them to do something they're passionate about. We want to make sure we place people in, in, in a situation or in a position where their giftings will flow and their giftings will flourish. Now, as a church plant, I understand that sometimes we just have to fill roles, whether we're good at it or not. Sometimes, sometimes that's just the way that it needs to happen. But if I'm placing people in roles, I want to place them where they're passionate, where, the, where they will grow and flourish, and really as a stepping stone into their destination, their destiny that God has placed on their lives. So that's how I would do it. I'm sure that the, the person who asked this question is actually extremely wise pastor, so I'm sure he has a better answer than that one. But that's how I would do it. People, put people in a place where they're passionate and they're gifted. Another question I had was this. How does one lead their best when their own leaders are not even leading or involved. Okay, so kind of the way that I'm kind of reading that is that I'm trying to lead, but the people that I've put in position are not leading or not in, in, involved in anything at all. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of read what I wrote down. So the leader must make a choice. There has to be direct, clear communication and correction. So if I'm leading and people are not, and my leaders are not doing what they're supposed to do as leaders, they're not involved in the place they should be involved in, then there has to be a clear conversation. There has to be communication. Most of the time as leaders, sometimes we assume that our leadership knows what they need to do. And out of that assumption, it, 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 creates, it creates this confrontation because it's like, man, why aren't you doing this? And sometimes if you were to just sit and have a conversation and lay out clear expectations, don't play the guessing game and having people guess what they need to do as leaders. Lay out clear expectations of what you're, what you're looking for in their leadership. Have that clear conversation. If that doesn't fix the problem, then there must be a change. We as leaders have to be willing to remove unhealthy leadership. Because if we allow unhealthy leadership to stay, that's our fault. It falls on us. Either way, this issue lies in the hands of the leader of that organization to either have the conversation, bring correction, 
or make changes in their leadership team. So that's how I would do it. And last, the last question I got was this, is how do you keep your leadership team motivated? Now again, I'm still learning as we're growing as pastors, as we're growing in our church. I'm still learning a whole lot in, in leadership. But I think one way to keep your team motivated is you start with the why. You don't really start with the what or the how. Those things are important and they need to be made clear. But what should be most important is the why. Why do you do what you do? If you can get your leadership team to buy into the why, then the how and the what will flow together. Then you can all kind of have that conversation of how, what is the best way to accomplish our why. And so to keep people motivated, I believe that you should not just express the why, but you yourself need to live out the why. What is your reason for leading? Why did you start your organization? Why did you open up the Bible study? Why did you launch the church? What is your why? If you could remember and live off your why, you teach that to your team. And I believe that motivates a team, the why before the what or the how. So here's some great advice that I think we got. And here's a very simple one is lead by example. Don't just say what needs to be done and expect everybody else to do it. But you yourself as a leader should do what you're expecting from your own leadership team. Uh, this one also says, honor isn't something you get, it's something you give. Never take God out of leading. And last but not least, my favorite one is people over process always. People over process always. We care about people. We're running our churches, our ministries because we love God and we love people. So I hope that helped you today. I hope that it's going to help you with your leadership. If you have any questions about that, you can leave a comment, send us a message, any, any way that you can contact us. But thank you guys for listening. I appreciate those that, that have been supporting financially. It means so much to us um, right here at Reclaim Media. We, we can't imagine uh, what God's going to do in the future with, the, with what we're doing right now. And so I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the message. If you'd like to help us to continue to create content like this, you can sign up as a supporter on our website, reclaim.media slash donate. Thank you.